Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. This is a place where we get to come together, rally together, and hopefully support each other. Because too often I think that the church in of itself, if someone's going through a struggle, we want to just kind of go, well, maybe you just need to pray longer, pray harder, instead of rallying around people and saying, we support you, we care about you, I've gone through this process, let me pray with you. And so this needs to be a place that we can call home, amen? Let's get into the Word today. Let's turn to Psalm 107. If you don't have your Bible today, you can follow along on the screens. Psalms 107, we're going to look at verse 2. It says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. I love this word redeemed. There's so much to unpack in this word redeemed, but it says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If you're a believer here today, say that with me. I'm redeemed. redeemed. Say it again. I'm redeemed. Now, this is an amazing concept to unpack, and we're starting a new series today called The Message of Christmas, and for this first week, it's called The Message of Christmas redeemed. I want to talk about that today. What does it mean to be redeemed? What does it mean to have redemption in Jesus Christ? Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together this morning. I pray that it wouldn't just be some religious time, putting our time in for an hour and 15 minutes on a Sunday morning, but it would be a time where you speak to us through the scriptures. Holy Spirit, you speak through me today that we would walk out of here in freedom. We would see something that maybe we've never seen before, and it would bring greater freedom to our lives. We believe in you, we trust in you, and we thank you for this time together. What an opportunity. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. You know, how many here love pop? Now, if you're from the South, it would be soda, right? How many love soda? Soda pop, we could put them together. You know, I had this, at this point in my life, I had a point in my life where I was completely addicted to pop. And I didn't really, you know, notice it, but I was addicted to Coke. Now, I'm talking about the drink, okay? Not the thing you snort, but I was addicted to the drink Coca-Cola. And so Coke was a big deal to me. There was a point in my life where I would literally drink probably up to two liters of Coke a day. Two liters of Coke a day. And, and, you know, there came a point in my life where I didn't really see it as an addiction. But I remember this one time I had had come home from work and I was thinking to myself, I really need to have a Coke. And so I went into the fridge and there wasn't any pop in there. There was no Coke in there. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? We had a 7-Eleven just up the street. So I'm scrounging around for change because I'm like, I can get a big golf for like 99 cents, man. And I need a hit of some Coke right now. The drink. So I go up to 7-Eleven, and, and it's, it's crazy. I'm walking in. As I'm going in, I'm thinking to myself, I need to have this drink of Coke like I can taste it. Now, i got a buddy of mine. He says, you know what it is? It's not even the flavor. It's the bubbles. It's the bubble burn. How many love the burn as it goes down in the back of your throat? It's like, this is so good, right? Uh, some of you are like, what are you talking about? But I walk into the 7-Eleven, and I, I get the, the big gulp. I fill it all the way up. And before I even pay for it, as I'm going to the front, I take the swig of it, and it was like, oh. Now, how many can say addiction, Pastor? You were addicted, bro. Like, I got that swig of the Coke, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is what I needed. Now, later in life, I thought I need to make healthier choices. So somewhere in my 20s, I thought, I'm going to do something better. So instead of Coke, I will drink Diet Coke. (laughs) Why are you laughing? Isn't that healthier? I mean, it's the difference between high fructose corn syrup and aspartame. Which is better? We don't know. 
And so I was, I was addicted to Diet Coke for a while, and, and that was my, my, uh, my drink of choice. It's funny, I was working with a guy, and he came into work one day. He said, hey, man, this is so cool. He was addicted to pop, by the way. So he says, I, I saw this really cool uh, news thing, and he said, they're saying that if you drink fountain pop, it's much healthier than drinking out of the bottle. And I went, why would that be? He said, because you put ice in the fountain pop. And as the ice melts, that's water. So you're actually getting water through the day. And I looked at him and I said, dude, you will do anything, anything to, to make pop okay to drink. But you know, eventually in life, I turned to water. And I'll tell you, that first couple weeks was tough. Water was bland. But eventually I got to a point where I worked my way out and I'm not addicted to pop anymore. In fact, I prefer water. And I feel so much better when I drink water. But it's crazy because I had an issue and an addiction with Coca-Cola, with soda pop. I love that burn. I crave that burn. But eventually, I was redeemed. I was set free from pop addiction. Now, I'm not trying to make this a spiritual experience, but I want us to understand something that just like I was redeemed from that issue in my life, Jesus came so that we could be redeemed from our issues in life. Whatever those addictions are, whatever that sin is that seems to just nag at you and pull you its way. God didn't have an issue with you as far as sin. Like he wasn't, I can't be around you because of the sin. He saw what sin did to you and what it does to me. How many of sin has consequences? So it's not about pointing out the sin, it's about pointing out the Savior. The one who can help us through those sins and those addictions and those issues we have in life. I'm a walking, living testimony of that in my own life. Now, the word redeem means this. It means to buy back out of slavery. Jesus came back to, to buy us. He, he was born, and then he lived a sinless life, and then he died, was buried, and resurrected. Why? To bring us back out of slavery. So let's look at Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, and I want to start with verse 20. It says, when you were the slaves of sin, you were free from righteousness. So he's saying something here. He's talking about this slavery that we had to sin. He says, when you were the slaves of sin, you were free from righteousness. And then we look at verse 22. Now that you've found you don't have to listen to sin tell you what to do and have discovered the delight of listening to God telling you, what a surprise, a whole healed put together life right now with more and more life on the way. And he says this, work hard for sin your whole life and your pension is death. You know, the wages of sin is death. You know, when we sin, it's not God paying us back, it's sin paying us. How, how many know this? If, if you were to go out today and you were to get drunk and get behind the wheel and you were to uh, get in the wreck and kill somebody, how many know there's consequences to that? God didn't do that to you. We chose to do something that, well, for one thing in Michigan is against the law, right? To drive drunk. But, but why is it? Because the repercussions or the consequences of doing that could literally kill somebody or hurt somebody. And so it's the wages of sin that is death. But look at this. It says, but God's gift is real life, eternal life, delivered by Jesus, our master. Now, I want us to look at something here. It says, but God's gift do you know that gifts are given freely? They're not earned. So this is something that God gives to us freely. We don't have to earn it. 
I was sitting in the car. We were waiting for uh, Kristen and, and Ethan and a couple of friends had ran into Meyer yesterday for a minute. And, and uh, a song came on the radio. Of course, you've got to turn on Christmas music for the Christmas season, right? And that famous song, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, comes on. So, you know, Aiden's in the back. He's seven. He starts singing, Santa Claus is coming to town. But think of, think of the words. He's making a list. Sing it. Checking it twice. Got to find out who's naughty or nice. And I, I stopped and I went, man, I don't know if I like Santa that much. He went, what? I said, well, aren't gifts something that's freely given? And I saw this as an opportunity to teach him. And I said, you know what, Aiden? I said, mommy and daddy, we buy gifts for you because we love you. We give them freely. It's not based on your performance. It's not based on if you were good enough or not. We simply get you gifts because we love you. And he says, wow. So if I was naughty and Santa then, at least you guys would. I said, well, of course we would. I said, why would we do that? And he goes, because you love me. See, he's getting it. I want him to see that just like his natural father and mother, that his spiritual father, his daddy, God, doesn't give us gifts based on whether we deserve it or not. He gives us a gift which is real life. It's eternal life. It's delivered by Jesus, our master. See, gifts are given freely. They're not earned. And so what God has done through this redemption is God has reinstated our value. This is important to see this morning, that Jesus coming, born of the flesh, was God showing us that he's reinstated our value. See, God desires us, even if we've been abused, if we've been broken, if we're lost, whatever state, we are valuable to him. Now, God, the Heavenly Father in Genesis, establishes his opinion of mankind. He makes us in his image. We're deemed sons and daughters of God. We are valuable to him. So when mankind begins its derailment into abuse, its misuse of God's intended creation, he puts a plan together to send a message to mankind. He wants to send a message to humanity. What is that message? It's this, I love you. You have value. For some of us, we've been given a different picture of God. And I believe it's a veiled face. It's a distorted face of who he really is. We think he's angry. And he has to punish somebody to be okay. But the fact of the matter is, God is love. That's what the scriptures say. He's love and light. And it's wonderful when we think in that, in that way, in that vein, because we're like, wow, God, you really love me that much? Yeah, he's saying, I love you. I value you. You may not see it, but I do. Imagine God speaking to you in that fashion. This is redeeming us. It's bringing us into redemption. So Jesus came to give us a message that God loves us and that he values us. He wants us to awaken to the fact that we're sons and daughters of God and start to walk in that way. The Apostle Paul talks about us being orphans. An orphan doesn't know who his family is, right? But so a lot of us, we walk through life and we don't even realize that we're part of the family of God, that God is our father. He desires to be in that role in our life. And until we do, sometimes we stumble around, we walk through life as lost orphans. And when Jesus came, it was God uh, uh, taking on human flesh saying, I want to be with you because I value you. I want to be with you because I love you. 
And sometimes we'll separate Sunday and heaven and prayer and make it out and far and away. But as we'll see today, it's about God being close to us, being with us, in fact, living in us. So I want to talk about just a few main points today, benefits of this redemption. Seeing that we're redeemed is one thing, but what are the benefits of having redemption through Jesus Christ? Now, we could go through a list. In fact, we could do a series for probably at least six to eight weeks on the benefits of redemption. But I just want to look uh, briefly today at four benefits of redemption. Number one, forgiveness of sin. Benefit number one, forgiveness of sin. In Romans chapter 3, verses 23 and 24, it reads, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the, say it with me, redemption that is in Christ Jesus. See, forgiveness comes with redemption. When we're redeemed, we get forgiveness. Now, this is amazing to me. This is a forgiveness past, present, and future. It actually holds this idea that God truly forgave you and he no longer holds it against you. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. The word forgiveness in the Greek, it means forgiveness or pardon of sins. And it goes on to say, letting them go as if they had never been committed. Say, wow. Say it backwards. Say it upside down. You guys are good. Isn't that amazing, though, that when he forgives us, he pardons us, and he lets them go as if they've never been committed. You're like, God, how can you do that? Because he's God. Because that's what love does. Love doesn't hold record of wrongs. We've got to get this, folks. We've got to understand this. And so some people immediately go, oh, so, so can I get away with a bunch of stuff? No. If you do dumb stuff, you're going to reap dumb stuff. But it's not God doing it to you. Do you see the difference here? God is love. He loves you. In fact, he will love those things out of you. His love is so big, so vast, so fiery white hot that it will burn selfishness out of you. It will burn wrong motives out of you. Do you follow me? And this is what I found that if I... If I can focus on his love toward me, it will change me. And in fact, it will change me to the point where it changes how I respond and how I walk out life to others. Because really, this is what Jesus came to do. He came to show us a new way of being human. Because mankind messed it up. It started with Cain. So we have empires and societies built on murder and retribution and hatred. And Jesus is saying, humanity was never meant to live this way. We were meant to live out of peace and love and grace towards each other. Imagine a world like that. I think there was a song that someone wrote, Imagine, right? But imagine a world like that because, you know, I used to hear this song like, Imagine no more religion. I'm like, oh my gosh, he must be a Satanist. No, guess what? Religion brings bondage. He was saying something. There was truth behind this because religion is a man-made idea where we set rules and parameters to walk out rather than allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us and, and, and live his life through us. It's a big difference. And Jesus talks about it being this new law that's written on our heart. It's not tablets of stone. It's written on our heart that we know that we know we're supposed to walk in love. Think about this. Every time you hurt someone or commit a sin or miss the mark, what are you doing? You're not loving. That's why Jesus gave us one command. Love others as I loved you. 
I know it seems so simple, but it's the truth. If you think about, I love that person so much, I'm not going to steal from them. I love that person so much, I'm not going to talk bad behind their back or gossip about them. I love my kids so much, I'm not going to punish them for the past. I'm going to train them for their future. See what love does? It transforms our way of thinking. Romans 12, 2 says that we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. It's getting new thoughts, new ideas, new ways of thinking. How does that transpire? Through love, through Jesus, through relationship with our Heavenly Father. So benefit number one, forgiveness of sin. Benefit number two, adoption into the family of God. Now this is a big deal here. Adoption, literal adoption to the family of God. In Galatians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul writes this, starting in verse 5, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. Now, whenever you see sons, I want you to also say, ladies, that's me, because it's talking about humanity in general. You might receive the adoption as sons, and because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. You know, when Jesus came and walked this earth, he, he showed us a, a different way to see God. He came to show us the heart of the Father. And, and even when he used this word Father to the Jews at the time, they're like, whoa, whoa, no, this is God. It's, you know, deliverer. He's mighty. He's big. He's vast. He's way out there. You know, and when he comes to see us, he's in this little part of the temple. But Jesus came to show us something different. He says, when you pray, pray these words, our Father who art in heaven. Why? He wanted to show us a different way of seeing God. He actually wanted us to see God the way that God always wanted to be to us, to be our Father. And what does the word Father mean? Source. In the original text, it means source. He wants to be our source of everyday life. So verse 6, And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. We are sons and daughters of God. God is our Father. He is our source Think of it like this. God is our source for all of our life here and now. He's a source of everything. So we've got to see this, that we're adopted into the family, that we're now sons and daughters of God. So we're forgiven of sin, and now we're brought into the family of God. Benefit number three, freedom from bondage of sin. Freedom from the bondage of sin. So not only are we forgiven of sin, he goes a step further and he frees us from the bondage of sin. In Titus chapter 2, verse 14, the Apostle Paul writes this, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. Do you see what happened here? Jesus redeemed us from every lawless deed. He broke the bondage of sin in our lives. Now, what's interesting is you can read this and as a believer say, then why do I still screw up? Why do I still sin? Well, most of the time it's because we don't see that separation uh, from the bondage of sin. We don't see that Paul says that we're slaves to righteousness. Now, this is a good slavery. What it's saying is we're right with God. We're okay with God all the time. This is our stance now in life. And now we can live from that righteousness that's within. We can live it out. That's why it says work out your salvation. The fruit, the good works, all that stuff's already inside. It's been implanted by God. It's a miraculous thing that happens at salvation. And now we work out that which has been worked in. Does that make sense? And so it's working out our salvation. But I love this. He says, and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous 
for good deeds. Say, I'm zealous for good deeds. The word zealous means eagerly desirous. This is how you are built at salvation. We are literally changed into those who are eager to do good deeds. We desire to love one another. This is how we're built. This is who we are in Christ. Now, that doesn't mean that we're walking it out perfectly all the time. I know I have days. And we were just talking about this uh, the other day. We went out with a couple. It seems like the last people to really to really feel the result of this, this love that you've been grounded in and this foundation, this new life, is those who are closest to you. Isn't that true? Like it seems like we can be nicer or more loving to those we don't know than the ones that are closest to us. Can I get a witness, wives? Can I get a witness, husbands? Right? I mean, that's what happens. So the people closest to us, what's the saying? Those, we hurt those who are closest to us or we hurt those we love the most. It's, it's just kind of one of those things. But it doesn't mean it can't happen. It's just we're so close and we know everything about each other and we know, you know what buttons to push, amen? And, and we, we know what's going to set them off this way or that way. And it's not like we're trying to do it, but it's like, Lord, help me walk this love walk even with my family, with those who are closest to me. But the fact is we're zealous. We're eagerly desirous to do good deeds, to walk out the fruit of the Spirit. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, Goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and dare I say, self-control. How many could use a little self-control sometimes? Well, you know, that's in you. As a believer in Christ, that's in you. And, and sometimes what we have to do is we have to wake up and we have to focus on what's inside of us. And, you know, I, I've had times where those outward circumstances come at me. I mean, I'll just be completely transparent. There's times that people have said stuff to me, and I'm like, you know, I'd like to just punch them in the mouth right now. Like, just lay them out. That'd be so cool right now. Like, I would feel so good, right? Yeah, and I'm a pastor, right? But there's times where I feel that I, I feel like I want to just punch them in the mouth or I want to tell them off or they, they got snotty with me. I'm going to get snotty back. They flip me off. Maybe I should flip them off. And they're like, well, maybe they'll come to church Sunday, so I won't. So there's parameters, right? But what I'm saying is we have to make that decision. We have to say, okay, instead of responding in this outward fashion, Paul says walking by the flesh. That's what he calls it. You know, five senses, you know, taste, sight, feel, hear, smell. Walking by those natural senses and then instead walk by the spirit where we, we get to dig deep inside ourselves and say, you know, what would love do in this situation? Would love punch the person? Probably not. Would love tell the person off? Probably not. And we have the best example of any example we could ever have in Jesus Christ. It says that Jesus made an open show. He shamed the principalities and powers. The principalities were Rome. The powers were the Jewish establishment, the temple. How did he bring them to shame? He said, here you are. You're fighting for power. Uh, your thoughts are murderous and full of hatred, and yet you crucify me. And on this cross, I look down upon you, and I say these words, Father, forgive them. How can Jesus do that? Because he's love. That's a hard thing, isn't it? Hard thing to swallow at times. But he made an open show. He shamed them. He said, no, no, no. This isn't how the world is supposed to operate. So even in my death, I'm not truly staying there. 
And what does he do? He resurrects. See, that's what's so powerful about the resurrection. When he resurrected, he made an open show. He made a spectacle of the way that the world was living, built on violence and hatred, and saying, no, that's not the way it was supposed to be. I'm more powerful than death. In fact, I've defeated death, the grave, and the enemy. And here now I stand before you saying, what are the first words? Peace be with you. First words he spoke when he rose from the dead. What was he trying to say? I ended with your murder and your hatred and your violence. I rose again, and the first words out of my mouth are, peace be with you. He hit the reset button. But see, it's up to us to to see that and to understand that and say, okay, Jesus, this is the way I'm supposed to walk. So I guess here in my little sphere of influence and my day-to-day stuff at work, at school, at home, I get to choose the way of peace and the way of love. I need your help because I can't do it on my own because those old thoughts, those ideas, that hatred, that murderous attitude, it's not like we're just killing people, but have you ever felt like I could just, right? Why is that? old habits, old thoughts. We need to renew our mind to this new way. Peace be with you. We're zealously eager for good deeds. Benefit number four. This is powerful. It's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul writes this in chapter 6, starting with verse 19, he says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. How much better do we have it now? How much better do we have it uh, this side of the birth of Christ? We call it the incarnation. It's where God actually takes human flesh, takes form in human flesh, which is so beautiful because what he's saying is, I want to be with you. I want to experience life with you. The culture, the good days, the bad days. This is God himself in flesh saying, I want to be with you and experience what you experience so then I can also, when I die and resurrect, become your new life and then still be with you. Now think about this, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul says something. He says that God does not live in temples made with human hands. Why? Because he now lives in us. That's a tough concept for some of us. What does that mean? It means that the very life, the very nature of God lives within us, and all we have to do is believe. We say, yes, Jesus, move in. Clean house, move in. I want to be motivated by you. You gave your life to me so that you could live your life through me. This is the Christian life. This is the life of a believer. And unfortunately, a lot of us haven't gotten it because I look around at news and social media and I see people who confess Jesus as Lord, but they're spewing hatred out of their mouth. I don't get that. Uh, apparently, and I'm not trying to be hard today, I'm talking to myself too, but, but we all have things, these, these recesses of, of ourself where we have maybe you know, prejudiced ideas, maybe a little racism, maybe a little hatred, uh, uh, maybe a little lack of love, and what God's saying is, will you allow me to, to live through you in a different way, help you make better choices? That's why the Spirit indwells us. That's why this is so powerful. The Spirit dwells within us always speaking, always leading, and guiding. This is what Paul tells us about living a spirit-led life. You know, in, in the Old Testament, thousands of years before Jesus, 
the Holy Spirit at times would inspire people. He would inspire prophets and kings and people. He would literally, it says that the Spirit would, would come up on them. In other words, an outward influence to, to move them in a certain direction. How much better do we have it where the Holy Spirit indwells us? It's not some outward force. It's an inward force. It's a brand new life where he becomes our very life. This is what salvation is all about. This is why Jesus came. Bottom line, you've been redeemed. Say it again. I've been redeemed. redeemed. You're forgiven of sin. You're brought into the family. You're freed from the bondage of sin in the very place you and me were the very place where the Holy Spirit lives. See, this is the message of Christmas. This is why Jesus was born. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I just thank you for today, a time that we could come together and look into the scriptures, a time where we could look into your word. I pray today that the things that we've seen have changed our minds, that we see things just a little bit differently that we see the the benefits of redemption, why you came, why the incarnation happened, why God became flesh. You dwelt among us. You experienced what we experience, even unto death. I pray for every person here today that they would see this as a reality in their life. It's not just something that we say on a Sunday morning, but it's something that motivates us. It's the fuel for our life through the week. It's your love, your grace, your goodness, your peace that is the fuel that we need to do life and be more human. With every eye closed, every head bowed, I just want to ask this question. Is there anyone here today who would say, you know, I've never really made that decision for Jesus? I've never said yes to Jesus. And, you know, hearing what you're saying, I maybe don't get it all, but maybe this is a time where I can say, you know what, Jesus, I I want to give my life to you. I want to allow you to come inside me and live and live your life through me. It's real simple. It's just believing that for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. And he sent his son to live a sinless life to show us a true expression of who God is. And then he died, he was buried, and he resurrected. And we, spiritually, can be crucified with Christ, the Apostle Paul says, buried and then resurrected to brand new life in Christ, where now our life is motivated by the Holy Spirit. If you're here today and you say, you know what, preacher, I'd like to make a decision. Just quickly raise your hand. Anyone here today? I thank you, Heavenly Father, for every person here today those who have already made that decision, maybe those who are still thinking about this idea, kicking, this, kicking the tires, so to speak, on this salvation thing. I pray that they would see that you are love, that you love them, that you value them, and that you desire a true, intimate relationship with them. And for the rest of us who have made the decision, I hope that today was a day we once again could be reminded of your goodness your love towards us, and the fact that you see value in each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, 
We pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.